week of Growing With My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, and I'm happy to be back this week feeling healthy. I'm going to let the American one jump into the room. Before he gets here, I'm going to kick it over first to Spartan Grown. Welcome back. Thanks, Jack. It's good to be back. Good to see everybody. Um, I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me mostly on Instagram, and it's going to be Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And if you can't or if you're having problems getting a hold of me there, uh, I always have my e email available. <laughs> There's our notification for our show. Our email available, which is spartangrown at gmail.com. And uh, you can just email me there for any growing questions. I'll try to help you out. Good stuff. And uh, happy new year to everyone. And hopefully uh, we all made it through the holidays and uh, hopefully had a good time there. Next up, we got Brandon Rust. What's going on? Glad to be here. Happy new year, everybody. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic year for uh, for us out here in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, it's always a good time. Uh, thanks for having me here. I think we're going to chop it up, nerd out on some weed and uh, just chop it up. Uh, if anybody needs microbes or humate fertilizers amendments, you can check out the website, bokashiearthworks.com. Um, and then if they ever, if you guys have any questions out there about any of the products or about growing, feel free to DM me. I try to get back to as many people as I can. Good stuff. Happy to have you back next up. Uh, and last currently with us, the American one. Hello, Jack, Spartan, Brandon. Happy new year to you and happy new year to everyone in chat. I'm the American one and I'm glad to be here and I hope everyone had a great start to the new year. We're happy to have you back. And um, I will say that while you were introducing yourself, we have another panelist who has joined us. It looks like they're still uh, jumping into the call right now, but I'll go ahead and introduce next Matthew Gates. Maybe they're not with us yet, but uh, we do have Matthew joining us here shortly. And uh, yeah, just want to say happy new year again to everybody. I got this little arc lighter type thing for uh, Christmas for my in-law. It's just a single little uh, beam there. You can hear it <laughs> through the mic or whatever. But um, I've even like used this to smoke bowls and stuff. So I'm going to toast up a little joint while Matthew is hopefully able to hear me now and goes ahead and introduces himself. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Gates. <laughs> Trying to get this microphone to work. So it was um, a dramatic pause. I thought that's all it was. Oh, yeah, no. Well, I can be dramatic sometimes. This is not it. So, yeah, for those who know already is Matthew Gates, Integrate Pest Management Specialist. Excited to be here. Um, I'm curious to know what we'll be talking about today. And, of course, shout out to the chat. I think we might be taking some chat questions because I didn't send any uh, science out. I was, you know, getting over the sickness. Uh, Lady Greenstock and I are both testing negative now and feeling better. But uh, it definitely uh, threw us off. My family, all their flights got canceled. So I uh, didn't end up linking up with any of them for the holidays or anything. But uh, that all aside, I'm about to spark up a joint. And I have a question for Brandon Rust because this is a, a strain that I didn't include in 50 Strains of Green because there's so much uh, misinformation and so many conflicting stories about the lineage of it. And I know that your dog was actually named after the strain, uh, or RIP, Romulan. Romulan the strain so what are your thoughts on Romulan what do you think it is and uh Ooh, that's a good yeah. one yeah man Romulan is something that I haven't personally grown in a really long time it was in 
it was in the the OGs, the guys that taught me how to grow, grow weed. It was in their staple when I came on board. And it was it was just a beautiful, beautiful plant. It was really vigorous. It was kind of it had a really nice pine uh, kind of nose to it. Not super piney, uh, but it was really frosty and it was kind of like yellowish. Um, like the like the color of it was I, I distinctly remember it being very bright, like green and like. Almost kind of. You know like the the white of the trichomes and the bright green kind of gave it like almost a yellowish kind of look to it um but as far as i know um the cut that was that we had um it came from amsterdam uh a friend of ours he uh he brought it back from amsterdam in like 1998 or something like that I know that this is a, a dated kind of reference, I guess. Uh, a lot of people don't like this anymore as a metric, but as far as like indica, sativa, growth morphology, and then like as far as like high being maybe uplifting or sedating or maybe more in the middle, how would you describe the uh, effects and then the growth of the plant? It was, it was a broadleaf dominant, kind of more shorter plant. It was really heavy. Um, it was sedative. It wasn't what people would consider a sativa or like an uplifting varietal. I'd say that this is definitely a, like a woodier pine, maybe like a loamy pine. Like a, yes. Not quite as dank yes. as soil, but earthy. Someone yeah. might, might describe this as. Definitely. I can understand what, when you say like the woody, you get that earthy, earthy wood in there. But yeah, it's been it's been so long, man. It's been it's been you know nineteen years. It's wild to think. Uh, Tao, I know you've been going since a, around then. What are your thoughts and experiences with the Romulan? Yeah, I'm just, just gonna say of, I have a I have a seeds labeled Romberry that I grew out that someone gifted me in twenty eighteen, I think it was, and I grew them out. And uh, shit's killer. It's really weak on the yields and. Uh, the buds and it takes like 10 at least 10 weeks to even look all right i probably should let it go longer but the high i get is not sedative at all it's freaking uh it's uppity maybe it might be because it was taken down a little early but i get fucked up off the shit like the well, high depends. is totally totally different than at, like a bunch of the other highs i get i get like stupid confused you get the wah 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 like if you if you stand up quick, you're gonna be like holding on something. But um, yeah, but it's a weak yielder and uh, flimsy buds. But I love the shit. As far as uh, the blueberry or berry, I think it's rum Romulan blueberry. Um, yeah. Blueberry so Romulan. I would I would guess that the um, blueberry, blueberry might be one of the through, blueberry but... sativa. Like yeah. had a blueberry sativa and then coma creations did a blueberry sativa IBL. And a lot of people did some breeding with that stuff. So I wonder if it would be more on the uplifting side of the blueberry. And because a lot of the blueberry stuff that I see traditionally is more like sedating, but there are those blueberries that are super uplifting and um, yep. it being a longer finisher and not <laughs> like, the. Uh, I think, I don't know if you were saying it was not the most, it's a different kind of high. It sounds kind of like it's pretty potent with the wawas and all that other stuff. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe more up, uplifting. Maybe it's just from the genetics. Yeah, I wouldn't say uplifting, but it definitely doesn't put you down and out, you know? It's it's like, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to hit it. I'm hitting it right now. It got uh, hit with the cheesequake pollen. So I'll, I'm going to see what that does. Because it is really, it is really flimsy. It's not, I, not flimsy. It just doesn't make big buds. That's all. It's a good plant, sturdy plant. Just doesn't make big buds. Yeah. If it's anything like Amy with the cheesequake male, that is a stout, stocky, heavy yielding plant that is extremely cheesy. Like the pheno I selected was uh, couldn't have been cheesier after it finished curing, and it was a pretty uh, strong grower. I mean, had no issues and. Uh, Flimsy is like the exact opposite of the description I would give of its morphology for sure. Yeah, that Amy makes some like rock buds. I've got some, I just flipped to flower today and I'm popping seeds tonight. Um, shout out to Spartan Grown. He sent me some Vortex F2. I'm going to pop some of those. I think I might pop some of Brandon's uh, Black Light Cross. I think he might have sent Black Light F2 or. Uh, limelight cross i can't remember i made a post on it on my instagram recently and then i'm also going to shout out to uh i think it's uh zion lion norcal who sent me zest og crossed to jack the ripper and uh jack the ripper crossed or pineapple fields crossed to jack the ripper male so doing a little bit more of like an uplifting hunt i uh tried to do a sedating hunt and then had poor results with my soil and everything starting off and then i just switched back to uh, velvet punch to find a you know see if the soil I was starting with was going to work out well. And so I'm finishing up that velvet punch right, right now. And I'm going to switch up to some more uplifting stuff for the springtime. But Matthew Gates is back with us now. And I see his background. It looks like his computer and everything is maybe sorted out some of the issues. Hopefully we can hear you and uh, welcome back, Matthew Gates. Yeah, there should be no issues. All right. Well, we're happy to have you back. And uh, if you have any uh, IPM topics come up, or if we have any questions from the chat about IPM, make sure to tag at Sync Angel or uh, yeah, you're Zenthanol on YouTube actually. And uh, if you want to generally ask a question, tag at Cheap Home Grow so I could see it, and then I'll copy and paste it into our Zoom chat, and maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. So we we're just talking a little bit about uh, what I have been popping, I guess. Uh, some of Spartan and Brandon's gear here coming up. I just flipped uh, some Velvet Punch F3s to flower. And unlike the last run of Velvet Punch F3 I did, which was a stress test run before I sent them out to my testers, uh, this run I've been absolutely just crushing it, like on all cylinders, like watering it perfect time, perfect amount of light. And it's amazing how fast you can get the plants to grow when you're giving it the proper amount of water, proper amount of light, proper temperature, proper humidity. And like, shout out to Brandon. I'm given a micro plus pretty often. And I also will... Um, when they were in veg, if I'd watered and they were taking kind of like a couple days to dry up, I would foliar with the amino N plus to get them a little extra nutrient in that time as well. And uh, I noticed if the RH dropped, I'd foliar a little amino N plus as well. And uh, the plants have just been cranking. Like I uh, was planning to, I thought it was going to be another week, maybe two before I flipped, but they filled out the tent even quicker. I probably should have flipped them even sooner, but <laughs> I got everything all lined up and uh, it's going to be exciting to see because I know they were vigorous even during the stress testing. So I can only imagine while uh, everything's all dialed in, they're going to be pretty uh, stretchy. So looking forward to see what comes from that. And I guess I'll pass it to Spartan Grown and ask uh, what's going on in your garden and uh, how are you doing in this new year? Um, thanks, Jack. Uh, yeah, I've popped a lot of uh, 
my genetics that I've been fucking with that Vortex. So I've got the Vortex F2s or Project V, I'm calling it, gone. I've got, and then I popped two other, I popped the Snow Devil, which is the Snow King cross the Vortex, and then the Spartan Puke, which is the Donnie cross the Vortex. And I want to run run those. My hopes, honestly, with these is to replace my keeper strains. So if the Donnie Cross is better than my Donnie Cross, my Donnie Burger, I'll fucking replace it. If the, you know, if the uh, Snow Cane Cross is better than Snow Cane, I'll replace it. And there's no need to keep that original mother plant because if I believe it is better, then why would I keep it? So I'm, I'm kind of moving in that direction. So we'll see. It's nice when you make your own seeds because then you can pop a bunch and then you can pick towards, I know you have plant count and stuff, but like yeah. over time, you know, if you pop just like three, every single run or something like that. And then that's you what just, I'm going to do. Yeah. Just yeah. Pop a couple of time and then just run them up against what I've already got, what I'm already holding and just have the very best one. And then you'll start to see like, does it lean more towards mom or is it getting some influence from the dad? What is the influence from the dad? Because that's actually pretty hard to really parse out. And what I was looking at, I took, so I got the project V, which is just vortex vortex. Right. So, and I'm looking at the leaf morphology of right now. I mean, they're seedlings, so they only have three blades on the leaf. And it was interesting to me how the middle blade is more pronounced than the other two, but the middle blade is like really fat in the middle on the crosses but on the vortex times vortex it's not so the vortex times vortex is still very if you had to look at just the leaf and this is very early on i know but if you look at just the leaf you think oh that's sativa leaning right there but if you look at the two crosses the one to snow cane and the one to donnie they would you would think it was it was leaning more indica so i thought that was interesting already just watching them it's cool to notice that kind of stuff early on and then trace or tra trace and track how it goes throughout the rest of edge, especially in the flower. And it would make sense with the lineages sort of that you'd see more of a narrow leaf in the vortex vortex, the F2, than a Donnie burger, which is pretty heavy, like indica hybrid, I would say like there's the Larry OG F8 and then a bunch of GMO, uh, which it's, I would say, you know, there's hybrid because GMO is such a long finisher, but, um, I'm trying to think of what the, I feel like GMO's leaf is pretty average. It's not like super narrow or super broad. No, I think, yeah, it's kind of like in the middle now that I'm thinking about it. But what surprised me is Snow King is kind of a sativa and um, I hit that with Vortex and it's, the leaves are, are, the leaves actually look almost identical to the Donnie cross, which I was like, wow. It was great. It was weird to me how the crosses look similar, super similar. Like I couldn't tell them apart if they weren't labeled. Uh, but the vortex is standing out still. What are we looking at here, Tao? You're on mute. Yeah, I figured I'd show you what's happening here. I got uh, those two of the auto flowers still going. And the one is really frosty. I'm really impressed with this. If I could get it to focus. Who are these from? This is Gassy Auto from Gem Seeker Genetics that Marcus Greenthumb gifted me. Shout out and to him. If, if there was like a Gromy of the year of 2022, that dude is just like. Yeah, he really came out and started hanging out with everyone. That's very he's cool. Just a great. I, don't, I haven't met him in person yet, but like great vibes in the DMs and super friendly. He, generally. He works for Bokashi Earthworks. Yeah. Hell he's yeah, a great man. guy. So that's the uh, Gassy Auto. And then this one over here is 
Gelato 41 auto that I see he gifted me. And this one seems like it's got a lot more white hair still kicking. It's got more time to go, but she's they're both filling in impressively for what they, you know, people tell me autos don't go. These yeah, are going, I mean, so. Everybody's seen the auto that's like the size of one of those buds. Uh, so okay. this is like a successful, healthy plant. It's always nice when you get an opportunity to uh, grow a I mean, this thing plant that really looks like white, a regular plant. White with frost, man. I'm impressed. Did and you then, top yeah, these like once or twice? I topped them once and I chopped off a couple of the lower uh, nodes, you know. And then this is the next set that's going into a ton here. I got four plant, four buckets with one has three plants. One has uh, two have two. Three have two plants in them. So, yeah. I just remembered I got to send you some uh, F3 Velvet Punch. I still haven't sent those to you. So, yeah, that's what's happening over here if I get. Yeah, so this, I got to move these in after the show tonight into a ton. These are looking yeah. nice. This is a nice even I'm, canopy. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, these are all healthy, happy right here. They're pretty big, too. I'm going to take off some leaves and some branches, but yeah. I want to show off the autos mostly. Yeah. With the topping, uh, they kind of broke that apical dominance. So, like, if you didn't say that those were autos when you panned over to them, I right. actually probably wouldn't have guessed. Uh, like, if you, you see an see. untopped auto where it's just that main apical bud and then, like, a few way lower, um, you can just look at it and be like, oh, that's an auto flower. <laughs> With yeah. Pretty good certainty. I want to shout out Smart Poker. He told me, like, don't be afraid to top it and, and you know, do all the stuff. And then I pulled down the branches. You can see what the – to spread Tape. them out, you know? They look so, good. Yeah. They are, they do look good. I'm I can't wait to try them. It's nice when uh you can have your own uh previous preconceived notions <laughs> kind of shattered and, and changed because the breeding has gotten better. I mean they're just literally better than they were ten years ago. And uh you and many others are, are proof. I mean, I've seen lots of people grow really fire autos that they're extremely happy with. And uh, it's being sold in the commercial market here in California and probably many other places as well. So they definitely have found their place and uh, it's cool to see because for a long time they were not a viable option commercially. Um, the smoke was just too different from what people are used to from photo periods, but now they're like frosty and terpy and seen a lot of stuff testing. Now the THC is everything, but at 25%, which is respectable with a few percent terps, and, uh, you know, most people that are non-growers, if you just hand them the buds and have them smell them, smoke them, a lot of people aren't going to be like, is that an autoflower? <laughs> you know, so it. Uh, most people don't even know, I guess, if they don't grow. But, yeah, definitely the uh, respect, I think, is being earned by many with the autoflowers. I, I've seen Buddy Kilowatt, a regular listener out here in uh, San Diego area. He grew a bunch of really big, beautiful autos, boom farms up in Canada, grew a bunch of big beautiful autos so it's uh, no longer like the popsicle stick height what single bud uh that's like seven grams or whatever so i've seen yeah, a well, lot of people get those unfortunately the first time i attempted the autos though that's what happened to me because you have to make sure you stay on top of them with the up planting because i left them in one gallons too long and they they flowered when i wasn't even looking and uh yeah they were only like you're saying eighth uh an eighth or a quarter bud when they were done so yeah, but but if you do it right, apparently they'll 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 do right. Yeah, that was the thing. A lot of people as like get recommended them as beginner growers or to beginner growers, and they make a lot of th the most mistakes. They're just learning. They might not even have the full nutrient line or the right lighting or the right environmental controls. So they make a ton of mistakes early on, and then they're screwed because the autoflower is just 
going off or with a photo you can make a lot of mistakes in veg and you can just rip those leaves off new, new leaves come out and if they still have issues then you got to do some correcting but as a new grower photo periods i think are much more forgiving you can top them a bunch of times you can train them to your space um so i always kind of get a little confused about that and i'm not anti-auto i'm open-minded to everything i think everything has its place but for new growers i see it recommended so commonly online and a lot of new growers only growing autos like oh like i'm gonna grow this because they're afraid of light leaks or something else and um, it's just interesting to see that new growers are probably the most commonly growing autoflowers where a lot of the experienced growers are growing photo periods. And I think both could probably benefit from trying the other one. Um, I still haven't grown an auto myself yet. So do you really think that photo period, that auto, that autoflower is truly more popular with most new growers over 50%? I would say 90% looking at seed sales, really? seed banks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I would Feminized say to that, specifically. though, okay, well, autoflower seeds are probably top sellers for seed banks. I was just going to say that, you know, in a lot of ways, it sort of makes sense that um, most plants are uh, autoflower <laughs> in that way, right? So it kind of, um, I sort of kind of mirrors the way that most plants that people encounter sort of grow. Um sort of an interest it might not mean anything um you know might not you know might not be any causal effect there but uh i just think it's interesting to point that out maybe we should not be so surprised i've never put that i never put that together but you're right that's exactly what most people are used to anyway grabbing a seed i knew they were popular but uh yeah i just um i guess maybe i just i'm exposed more to people who are growing more photo periods generally um but yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with it either. I have to echo that sentiments as well. I'll say this. I know a lot of cannabis growers. Cannabis is the first plant that they've grown ever. Like they might've done stuff as a kid. They might've done like stuff in school, but as far as growing a garden, the first thing, and I'm going to raise my hand for this myself. Cannabis taught me how to grow food and plants and other things. I learned how to grow cannabis before I learned how to grow any other plant. So it was the first plant that I learned and everything else to me, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like cannabis, you know? And uh, so that's always my reference point. <laughs> but for a lot of people, it's the other way around. They're like trying to treat it like a tomato or uh, whatever, you know, orange, you know, citrus tree, whatever they've got experience growing. And uh, my cat's trying to attack me for my joint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I, I would say um, the seed banks, if you just browse through and look at like the selections and what's pushed on the first page. A lot of the stuff is feminized out of flower. And I, I do agree. It makes a lot of sense, but um, a lot of now people. I'm curious. Do we have a, do you think there's a reason for that? I'm sure there's multiple, but what do you think are the reasons? I'm curious to get the panels. It sells every time because like you but have why? to buy another, you can't keep a cut. If I buy I a see, photo yep, period, that's what I was going to say too. Right. I can keep a clone. If I buy a pack of autos, maybe a three pack, right? A lot of people buy three or five pack just because it's the cheapest option. And so they'll pop all three of them and then they'll take them to flower and that's one harvest and they go and buy another pack. Or maybe they had other packs that they'd purchased just sitting in their vault or whatever, waiting to pop. But eventually they're going to run out and eventually they're going to have to buy more seeds and uh, photo periods. You can, the other thing that I think is uh, missed by those people is the value of cannabis medicine when you find a chemotype a variety that works really well for you or a patient that you work with friend family whoever you can keep that cut and cultivate it in a similar environment and try your best to produce it in a similar way so that it'll produce a similar chemotype time after time after time 
where with autoflowers, the consistency, even though they've gotten much, much better, uh, both consistency and potency, I would say it's just not there. And even photo periods, the consistency is not there. If you pop a pack and then you just I agree buy, with that. buy the same pack from the same breeder and then try and hunt through it again, you might not find that same exact thing. There's a reason that like, shout out to Subcool, rest in peace and Spartans breeding with his Vortex, but like uh, Chernobyl is one of my favorite strains and there's a cut called the Golden Ticket. It's like literally called the Golden Ticket. Like imagine losing that. <laughs> like that, the reason they named it that is it has such a high value. It was like rare. It was a one in a million kind of thing. And um, if they just, oh, I'm going to buy another pack of Chernobyl and hope that I find Golden Ticket, you might find something similar, but it might not be that exact plant. Maybe like it, the Golden Ticket yielded better or whatever. But um, funny enough, when I popped Chernobyl, I found a pheno that smelled and tasted and had a similar high to what is described as like uh, Slimer or Golden Ticket, which is a pheno of Chernobyl. And uh, it's possible, but I think that more often than not, you can go hunting for something within a pack that you found initially and have a really hard time to find it again, unless you pop like hundreds, dozens. I agree. Yeah, I agree with the inconsistency remark. Um, I would also, I would also be curious to, do you, do you think, I mean, this is sort of a, a begging the question, but uh, do you think that's a strategic move? to move more towards um, these sort of single harvest plants for breeders and things like that. And also on top of that, not insinuating anything, just curious, I guess, <laughs> what we think about this. And also, are the is there a major price difference generally between um, a photo period sensitive and insensitive? So they're around the same. It depends on where you go. It's more breeder-based on cost. So like if you get like a luxury breeder, you're going to be paying double or more. And then if you get like your average run-of-the-mill person, there's like a set price. I would say like 10 bucks a seed is pretty average. So like 50 bucks for a five pack, a hundred bucks for a 10 pack, as far as photo periods go. I've never bought feminized autos, but when I look, I'd say they're probably a little bit more expensive per seed because they're fem, but that's similar to um, photo period. Like photo period feminized are also a little bit more expensive. Like, and you'll, instead of seeing a 10 pack, you might see like a six pack for like a hundred because- I think the way that the breeders think about it and the growers think about it is if you bought a 10 pack of regs, you're going to get maybe five or six females. So they offer a six pack of femmes because all six of them are guaranteed to be female. And so they offer them at a similar price. So it might be seven, might be eight, might be nine. Some people offer 11, 12, however many fit in their little thing, the scoop. Um, I know Brandon, you uh, sell seeds and I'm curious kind of your thoughts on the prices as far as uh photo period versus uh autoflower yeah you have simulating ideas about this topic um so i typically price my seeds um anywhere between 60 to 75 dollars and i typically have 11 or 12 seeds in a pack but are they regular really they're regular. I don't have any family. I've never, you know, I've never released any families. Myself. Well, regular for Brandon, anyways. <laughs> regular meaning that they're male, female, I guess. I, I know. Should. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm being facetious. And then, uh, but I know that like Trevor or, you know, Dummy Grows, Gem Seeker Genetics, he has feminized autos. And we have sold, we've had them listed on the website before. And I want to say they're like 
I think we had them listed for like 35 bucks for a pack for the Femme Autos. And I think there was like maybe six or eight in a pack. Maybe six of them in a, in a pack. I would say that's under the market average. So, what do you think, Spartan? What do you see with like a Femme Auto costs and, and things like that out there? I know that you grow um, autos and I'm offended by the cost of seeds and um I'm on <clears throat> I, I think Brandon's right at right at the right spot for what he's I think and honestly I think Brandon's gear is fucking probably 10 times better than 90% of the breeders you're gonna find out there. And I've personally grown his stuff and I'm, I'm I'll vouch for that. But so I think that not only is is his quality at up there. But I think his price is below market average, like you said. But I think it's the fair price. And I think that's great because that gets more people's hands on the good stuff. And that's where I, I stand I mean, on it. So I want to I want to give people a fair price. And here's another thing, too. I know how to grow really, really well. And so when I'm selecting stuff out, I think that gives me a little bit of an advantage too if i'm making larger selections and just everything is on point i mean that's the best when you're able to like really really see how how different varieties are gonna are gonna run plus healthy plants make more seeds you know so having a bunch of them i think what you're doing by posting it on bokashi earthworks is a direct-to-consumer model where a lot of breeders have to sell it to a seed bank in bulk the seed bank then takes it maybe they break it down into 10 pack five pack three pack whatever it is or maybe the breeder sends them here's 110 packs 105 packs yeah. whatever it is but then what happens That's the in issue. any business they take it and they mark it up 100 to 200 percent so that the seed bank then makes money to do all the customer service work all the shipping and all that it's a typical business thing but then the cost that the consumer gets is higher so like Subcool, I think used to sell them for like three bucks a seed and then people would buy them for, I don't know what it was, but anyway, that yeah, I was going to bring that up earlier, Jack, when you're saying I forgot to bring it up when um, I forgot, but I think that's the biggest issue. And that's the biggest tip we can go here for anybody looking to purchase seeds is just reach out to the breeder. Um, if you know the breeder, you follow the breeder and you're sure it's the absolute, that's their accounts. Um, reach out to them and, and just say, Hey, I'm looking, I'd really like, blah 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 strain i've been following you for a while and and um, i'm going to guarantee you you're going to get a hell of a, a lot better deal and be way more happy dealing directly with the breeder and that's that goes for both it goes both ways it's positive it's a, it's a win-win because you cut out that middleman who's just turning around and flipping it so um that's, and you might that's, get freebies out of it like you're going fucking, to and if you yeah. keep contacting if, if you grow that stuff and you tag them and you put it on your social media and then you fucking reach out again and be like, yo, that last thing you sent me was awesome. Uh, could I get this? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, what do you think? So I'm just saying, I mean, it, it can be positive for both. The, the grower and the breeder can work together and, and both benefit from Dude, the relationship. And that's, and that's true for even like dudes that have been doing this for like Capulator, for instance, right? Like that, like I told him, I was like, yo, man. I lost my gas number four cut, which was mine and my lady's favorite smoke. And I was all, I was all, do you, and I asked him, do you have any, uh, do you have any more of those seeds laying around? I can't find them anywhere. Cause like they're all sold out on all seed banks and they go for like 200 bucks a pack. 
when you can find them. And he sent me like 300 seeds. He's like, here you go. Like, no problem. So, you know, if you, if it like, just reach out. Most, most people expect like people like myself were always willing to help, you know? This is like a religious quote, I think, but like, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive. Um, that's been my experience a lot of times with, you know, if you have to ask the question, the worst they can say is no. And um, with what Spartan said, I want to don't gloss over this. Make sure it is the actual person because there are so many fake accounts. DM me. If you want to get something from a breeder, DM me. I'll open up my DMs. I will go through and vet who you think that you're trying to get the seeds from and make sure that you're actually getting it from them. Like I'll shout out CSI Humboldt. I had to like send like a money order in the mail, which feels really fucking old school. But, but when I did it, I got not only the packs I ordered, I got like freebie five or 10 packs of the same packs that I ordered, plus a bunch of other interesting things. So um, cutting out that middleman, going direct and like, it felt a little old school, like back in the day when you fucking send something off to Amsterdam and wait like never a knew. month or whatever. You never knew if you were going to get your fucking seeds. And then you yeah. just assume that you forgot, got burnt because it's been... Man, we got fucking scammed. And then, finally, and then finally, four months later, you get something in the mail. Dude, I'll, shout, might out, be something I'll random. shout out Great Lakes Genetics in, in Michigan, right here in Michigan. I sent them cash in the mail and I got my shit and then some. So just straight cash. Yeah, I sent straight cash in the mail for seeds a couple of times and I got them. So, but you know, I want to mention that, uh, especially with beans, it's been my experience that price doesn't indicate quality, you know, and that nope. I get upset that people think, oh, if I pay the opposite bucks, might even be true. Right. The opposite probably is true. So I just want to throw that out there. And yeah, uh, like the yeah, shit that you yeah. get for free from your buddy is probably 10 times better than the stuff that people are spending 350 bucks for a 10 pack on. Like I, I've, I've spent the 300 bucks for a 10 pack. I've spent the expensive high dollar breeders and I found some good stuff, but the most amazing shit I found has been like gifted to me or stuff that like, I found some really good shit in the velvet punch shit that I crossed myself from a, a, something my buddy bred himself. And it's just, uh, there's so much good shit out there for not extreme amounts of money. And um, I showed the Aromatic Akeens page a few weeks back where I follow like 40 breeders that I think are doing a really good job. And none of them are selling shit for like multiple hundreds of dollars. Like they're mostly like Brandon's it's, prices, and which are really fairly priced. And it's, uh, it's hard too, as someone, as someone who uh, like, you know, is going to go pop seeds and pay like $200 for something. It's like, damn, dude, especially if it's just like, eh, this ain't really that great or if the shit herms. Well, especially like, at the scale you want to do it at. You don't want to do 10 pack. You want to do a fucking hundred. And that's going to fucking, that, that's an investment, man. That's huge investment. Yeah. Yeah. Another it's thing. a lot of risk. It's a ton of risk. And, um, you know, like what Jack was saying about inconsistency, you know, I, I have my own opinions. People follow me know about my opinion about claims of resistance and things like that. And, you know, I'm very much looking forward to, you know, some more consistency, I suppose. And also just more informed breeding practices because we, we have some fantastic breeders and I would count Brandon as one of those people, you know, so I'm very excited to see, op, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about the next half decade or decade. Like I was tired of complaining about breeders doing it wrong. So I suck, they seeked out the good ones and try to grow their stuff. And then on top of that, like I'm doing it myself for a hobby and sharing it with a bunch of people so I can learn as much as I can. And my goal is at least for several years to not sell any seeds, just 
gift them and see how it works and try and learn the process where a lot of people are just fly by night. They're going to take a male, smack it to every single female cut they have, and then sell a bunch of those seeds with no testing. And I just think that there's some level of morality that needs to be had. And uh, if you want to be a tester, not just for myself, if you live in the US, like I said earlier, ask and you shall receive, <laughs> hit me up. I've given out over a hundred packs of the F2. Uh, I got to a low enough level of F2s that I need to just keep them for in-house testing and future work. But I have F3s now that I'm sending out to all the people, the 50 growers that grew them out of the hundred are getting them slowly, but surely I'm working my way back through my notes and uh, making sure all the addresses are current and stuff. <laughs> but uh, as a grower myself, when I first started on Instagram, the first group that I grew was Humble Seeds. I had a blue dream. I tagged them and it was my first grow in a setup. I didn't have everything dialed in. I kind of fucked up a little bit along the way and it wasn't even the best looking bud, but I just wrote honest descriptions and uh, was like fair with my reviews. And I went super into detail or whatever and was not a big page at all at the time. And my next grow, they offered me to be a tester because I tagged them a bunch and I grew their stuff. And I saw that they had a tester application. I put my thing in there and they said, you know, if you've grown our stuff before, then we'll check out your page or whatever. And I got a few, like four different strains from them. And then Subcool grew his stuff out. He was looking for testers. I applied to be a tester. I had tagged him a few times from the different grows on my page. He'd even commented on Lady Greenstock's page a couple of times, which took pictures of buds and stuff like that. And uh, when I wrote my description, I tried to model it similar to his and he chose me to be a tester. And I was like, it's not rocket science necessarily. And it's not like I was fucking growing the fucking perfect dankest buds in the most high tech grow room. It's like, I'm in a fucking kitchen cabinet and a hallway closet and a tent. You know, it's like, you can do this people. Like a lot of people out there yes. like don't believe in themselves and don't want to throw their hat in the ring. Come but up to the table. That's super important as, as a breeder, you guys have to remember. I mean, this is what maybe people don't understand is they're, they're not looking for the best growers. There's, they're looking for somebody to test their genetics. You know, I mean, if you grow their plants the best way, and of course you're going to get the best genetic expression, but what happens when you grow it in not a great environment? What happens, you know, when you grow it in cocoa or you grow it in soil or you grow it, you know, in uh, with four weeks of veg, or maybe you do it with, you know, eight weeks of veg and you got the huge plants. There's just so many different ways and different variables. And for 12, 12 from seed. that. It would take you your to whole me, lifetime to do one strain to do that. But if you can get a lot of testers, you can get all that information. So all the breeders want is information back. Just I feel honest. like here's well, honest too. I agree with that. I I've, I would say that like, I feel like that's why it's so important to be very descriptive when it comes to like some describing what are the traits that you're even looking for, because if they don't survive in a spread of different environments, like, uh, you know, like maybe they were very weak or, or the way that they you know the genetic factors that make it happen you know maybe there's a key that is missing or is being attenuated in some way see like that's kind of what i was trying to allude to earlier i feel like there's a lot of um there's a lot of examples where people have just or essentially they have found something in bag seed grown it and maybe bred with it in some way, shape, or form, but they didn't really understand. Like a lot of people don't, and humans have not needed to understand this to make good stuff. But when you do know how like basic genetics work with like plants and stuff, it just feels like there's a like level of expectation that one might have for a breeder. And I don't think a lot of breeders in cannabis have that necessarily. And so when they are sending their seeds out to be tested 
Yeah, we call that, and I am the first to admit that's what I am, is a pollen chucker. I'm a pheno hunter and a pollen chucker. I think there's a gradient that's more nuanced than that, but okay. But on top of that, though, like we can't do it because of plant counts. We can't just go out and plant a thousand seeds in a field because none of us have the permits to do that unless you have a shit ton of money. So we can, you know, point our nose up. That doesn't mean you can't find something, though. That is true, though. I I want to say that. It doesn't mean that it's impossible to find something interesting. Well, and I think Um, you can get more consistent. You know what would be a really good example is uh, cotton candy grapes. So cotton candy grapes were not genetically you know, weren't m- m- genetically modified in any way. What they did was they did a giant pheno hunt on a bunch of different grape cultivars and they selected one. It was like and, princess cross to some Alabama thing. Yeah. And so it's really, you know, it's it, what I like for me, what I like to see in a line, like if I'm uh, doing reg line, I'm going to take the uh, blueberry train Mac F2s that I just finished up. When I hunt out this F2, it was an open pollination. And the reason why I would do something like that is to open up the genetics to see what's in there. And I would have to grow out more of them to select for specific characteristics after I've opened up that line. And I feel like that way you can kind of go down that path and, and get closer to it if you're you know selecting out of an open pollinated and then you know, you know, doing narrow selections for the characteristics that you want and then just breeding into those. So I have a question. Matthew is kind of alluding to this with like giving descriptions and expectations. I've seen some breeders take the blind approach where they'll just say, this is the red tester. This is the blue tester. This is tester number one, tester number two, grow it out and tell me what you smell. Tell me what you experience so that the grower has no idea. They're just kind of going in blind they grow it out. They say, oh, the red one smelled like this, got this kind of high, this kind of yield. Um, with my testers, I sent out a full page of notes where it said, this is what I smelled. These were the morphologies I got. This is the flowering time that I took it at. If you took it earlier, these are the effects that you can expect. If you took it later, these are the effects that you can expect. Uh, this is the smell. This is the taste. And like the initial smell versus like the exhale. Like I, I was very as descriptive as I could possibly be. And of the 50 people who grew it and gave me information on it, probably 45 out of the 50 had very, very similar descriptions of what I wrote. So I was a little bit worried like that I biased everybody just by sending out a description. That's a really, see, and that's, do you think that's possible or do you think, I mean, do you think that's possible for, it's obviously not possible for a hundred percent of those results, but maybe that bias going in was responsible for 50% of those results. I look at it like self-awareness is good. I think that a sommelier, they spend years and years and years. It's not like, uh, I'll, I'll kick, I'm throwing them under the bus again. Like that other group that fucked up the cowboy cup. I'm not even gonna say their name, but you know who I'm talking about. People that will charge you 3,500 bucks to tell you you're an expert at something versus like a sommelier where there's like level one, two, three, and four. Like by the time you're level four, there's guys like Dame who could smell something and tell you like, this is a South American from uh, 1999 and it's a Malbec or whatever. Like he could tell you the country of origin and the type of fucking wine and everything without even blind taste testing and like getting it correct where that's non-existent in cannabis yet because we don't have the consistency or whatever. Um, But I fucking lost my train of thought there. (laughs) We were talking about, uh, oh, okay. So the point of a sommelier 
essentially is most people are not wine experts. Okay. You go to a restaurant, you're having a dinner and the sommelier comes out at these fancy ass restaurants and tells you about the wine, tells you about the smells and the flavors that you might experience because most people aren't going to be able to pick them out. So I think as a breeder, if you're able to identify characteristics within the plant that you can help others maybe experience those smells and tastes because they might not know to look for them or they might not have the words to describe them in that way because they might not have experienced like maybe that food or maybe they might not have just maybe their brain come across that way and everybody has different chemistries but like velvet punch is a purple punch cross so a lot of people got like grapey stuff which didn't really surprise me but like i also wondered like if i just sent it out and said this is the red number one would 45 out of 50 of them said yeah i got grape gas you know uh similar to what you found yeah like genetic ontogeny right like where did this trait come from what are the genes that caused this thing first of all first of all is the trait even is the thing that we're trying to describe does it breach like you're saying with the observation bias potential right does it breach a threshold where we're pretty sure that everyone you know like if i go it's like it's like the existential nature of like color you know like some people go their whole life or most of their life not realizing they're to some degree colorblind my father is an example of that um you know but and, and so there's odd there's little odd edge cases with this but i would definitely agree with you it's like you don't need to be a sommelier to enjoy wine or have that level of detail even right and the same at the same way you don't need to know like you know, massively advanced genetics to breed something that people like, right? Because it's more than just those factors. But well, and all the best shit has been bred to, by novices. We have scientists. You ideally we ideally want to have that information, though. You know, just maximize the potential. But it's not necessarily necessary. Here's the thing: right? do you do you really need it? Do you really want it? Because all the people who have it, look at Israel, look at uh, all the states in the U.S., uh, Mississippi, or wherever they're studying cannabis, what is, what they've been doing it? for so long. None of them have produced the thing. That is the multi-billion-dollar strain that people are going after every single year. Like the the GMO, the uh, chem dogs, the OG cushions. So many of them are bag seeds, Girl Scout cookies, Gorilla Glue. We had Josie Wales on the show. He had two really fire strains. One of them hermied on to the other one, and they ended up growing out some of the crosses. And GG4 is still to this day uh, more popular than anything that's come out of any whatever oh laboratory God. don't you think the prohibitionary context plays a little bit of a role there though i i guess but we'll definitely we'll of course it yeah, does but they're still tried and true though they still hold up in commercial markets they still you know here's the thing if you have a variety that's 20 years old that still has a sell-through on a commercial market where you can grow something out and still push it out and people buy it and the consumers like it that's that's like that's tried and true, you know, and there are varieties like Gorilla Glue, like Mac One, like Chem D, like uh, Sour Diesel that that still possess those characteristics. Like the stuff people were growing in the very first high times that to our standards now look incredibly bad. Correct. So well, it's contextual, right? I mean, here's the, I think that with a lot of these new standards and practices, some of the the, the older varieties might have a new appeal to them as well. Cause I'm, we're not talking about like the 1978 high times. Well, but that's what I'm we, referencing. 
But even then, people say, go back and ask, say, oh, why, why can't I get that old school smoke? Everything now doesn't smoke the same. I wish I had that 1970s or 80s or 90s, whatever it was, that era. Usually I hate That's to say true because you can't account school. for taste. And well, it's also context... you can't account for tolerance. The first time you well, use cannabis, also, it's people... going to be more mystical than I will say this. 10, it's not the same thing, but you are aware that a lot of people, there's studies that show that the kind of music you're interested in is heavily based on some of the music that you get in your formative years, right? And this sort of intuitively makes sense, right? I bring this example up because I think there's a similar sort of thing with things like cannabis, like we're talking about. And like you say, I, I have a story of a person who, when I was homebrewing more, basically they told, I think I've said the story a few times, so I'll just reference it very lightly. Uh, they used to homebrew on a boat <laughs> as they were traveling around. This is terrible conditions for making alcohol because the temperature fluctuates a lot and he would get very, what we would call foxy or hot, you know, with a lot of fusel <laughs> alcohols, which most people don't like. However, he's nostalgic for this flavor and he was doing it at his house and he wasn't able to replicate it. So again, like with regards to connoisseurs and what is good, what is bad, it's absolutely positively based on your own experiences and expectations in a, a very significant way. If you look at the way. broader market, though, California has 40 million people. We have the largest single state use. We're larger than all of Canada. We have more adults and more cannabis users than any other single region. And if you look at the We're dynamics... Catch We're catching you. Watch out. You just don't have <laughs> as many people. You have I 6 agree. million people in Michigan. What, 10 million? New York, New York never counted. We're the fifth largest, I think, state in the country, or pop by populace, and we were just named the best place on earth for. I love Michigan. I was just change. the point I was trying yes. to get to with Matthew. Is, Isn't it like have, fucking sub zero temperatures whatever, there right now? Yeah, it kills poison. <laughs> no, right now it's not too bad. Right now, I just want to make the point though, guys. Forty-two degrees, man. That was you a have, bolt on Michigan. Can I just get one point? I out? want to hear what Jack was saying. Sorry. If you have forty million people. It's the consensus is the the crowd, the wisdom of the crowd. Okay, California has been legal since 1996. We have had lab testing for at least a decade. We have groups like Steep Hill Labs who have identified every single terpene for 200 terpenes with genetic markers. Steep Hill Lab has not put out a single one of the top 10 cannabis strains in the last 10 years. Okay, so why is it coming out of home growers? Why is it coming out of these random ass spots? Chemists have all the information. They have so much of an advantage. They have billions and billions of dollars. And for the last decade, we haven't seen a single one of them put out a strain that's been appealing to the markets because well, I think the sales show what people I think are it's buying. Federal prohibition, Jack. I I'm think. pretty sure that there's a I yeah. I, I think that's an unfair drops, comparison. Give them five years, maybe, and then yeah, then we'll start seeing some some competition. I think they're going to use what we already that, have too. They're going to say, "Oh, blue dream yeah, sells really well," and then yeah, they're they going to make the Bud Light. They're going to make the thing that appeals to the masses, even if it's not the best shit. They're going to make the thing that sells to the most people. You know, I was oh, in we'll take, I was in Avon's we'll recently. Take that shit. We'll take that <laughs> shit and we'll breed it into our shit, and then we'll have the best shit again. They yeah. For the first time in my life, I saw draft cola, Pepsi, in a can, nitrogen draft. I think it is. You know, like what they do for beer. And um, right. I just feel like that's a relevant thing to bring up because, yeah, like like there's going to be this sort of constant improvement on this sort of formula that is sort of um, at a certain minimum extremely accessible. And it is coming and in some yeah, ways it's already here. But, but I agree with you. I think that um, gray market and other sorts of traditional market products are, are the kings. But 
I guess I'm just trying to say that, like, the so cannabis did not get to benefit from a lot of aspects of like marker assisted breeding and thing that you're saying, and other people through their through their sheer like dint of skill and grit are able we're able to produce extremely good stuff. Let me tell you what the problem is for real. Most humans don't even know what exceptionally good cannabis is. And even the, the markers, marker assisted are probably looking for the wrong markers and they just don't even know what really well, they're looking for very specific marijuana things. is. Right. But the specific things they're looking for might not make it a better product. You know what I'm saying? They're looking better for sure they can and sell pharmaceutically in like 10 years when it goes federal. They don't care. Don't about resist it. that. I embrace it. And like I said, if they do something that's great, then I'm gonna get a clone and I'll grow that shit myself. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. I and think they'll be growing the best weeds. So win-win. Yeah, I mean, I think I think flavor and taste-wise, those sorts of things are also very complicated. But I also think that they're less dependent on the things that matter for those theoretical things I'm referring to, like marker-assisted breeding or um, just like you know. Like for example, understanding resistance and stuff like that. When a lot of people are growing like indoors or in shelter and things like that, that had a massive influence on on the the gene pool, right? And we've even talked about it in research. But like things like resistance to like high cold stress, high heat stress, certain pests, things like that, hot plate and viroid, right? Looking for tolerance already are people like medicinal genomics. That's going to make better stuff. Unequivocally, you cannot say, I think, that that would be worse off. But the things that I think you're referring to for better, I assume Tao, are things like flavor, aroma, the, yeah. the, stimul you know, the effects that you're going to get. Those things are much more complicated and I think are divorced a little bit from... Right, like if they marker assist on purpose to, and make it like uh, high THC, they're going to miss out on other stuff that should be in there as well, you know? But I just want to yeah. mention also that perhaps those old-time highs that everybody's looking for, that shit was grown in Colombia, was grown in Thailand, was grown in, this, in the country of origin and then imported into the States. So that shit was grown under different sun, different conditions, and, and Packaged now, differently. Yeah, I think so the packaging if, has if such a huge, is, huge, huge role. Right. Everybody I know who does the Malawi Cobb. Right. If Tawar is real, then Tarar, whatever you want to call it, it'll never be the same. You can get those seeds and grow them out and it's not going to be the same. So there's so many variables that I think that, uh, yeah, looking for those old, old school, like when you get the imported stuff, we won't get those highs easily in America, I don't think. What I'm hearing now is when people basically remove the oxygen and do like a Malawi cob style or like bury it, whatever they have to do to basically take the oxygen out and like pressurize it, maybe even like squish it a little bit. Like I've seen a bunch of people doing oh, yeah. a bunch of different things that then they're saying after like three weeks or four weeks or however long, then they smoke it. Um, like they'll cure it even with like a little bit of moisture in it still with in some, some cases and they'll vacuum seal it and fucking they'll smoke it four weeks later and say it's the strongest shit they've ever had. So I've been investigating, I guess, a lot of different curing techniques and a lot of people, um, genetic memory farms was doing some stuff like that with like a pressure cooker. And then there's people actually doing like the Malawi cob style. And uh, I definitely think that how you cure it can impact the high and that will also impact the cannabinoid profile. Like we see with like hashish, hashishin is something that wasn't found on the plant for a long time. Uh, it was much more commonly found in hash because 
the terpenes, the way that they blend together when they're removed and balled up, it creates some new sort of terpene mixture. We should get GMF on here to talk about that. What would you call it? What was it? Like something Cobb style? Is that Malawi a- Cobb, like the African country, I believe. Oh. Malawi. Malawi? Is it Africa? Yeah, it's Africa. Is that a fermentation? Yeah, I think they put it in like a corn husk and then they bury it for three weeks. That's interesting. I saw a post on IG where they tried mimicking it. I'm going to see if I can't find it. They they left a bunch of this, the the sugar leaf one and they wrapped it up really tight. I forget what they did, but it was uh, a great question. I think it was a little fresher. I'm going to see if I can't find the post. But uh, they said it was different. They said it was like old school. Like they, they couldn't finish a joint him and his kid or whatever i'll see if i can't like it was too psychedelic or for what reason? yeah 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 it was like nice. way more potent yeah i don't know if it was that or it just tasted terrible that's what i'm saying <laughs> no no it was it was super potent from the psychedelic nature i guess and a lot of people reported that of the older strains i think both where they were grown the strains the sunlight like Tao was saying but also the uh, they were doing like tie sticks where they're pressing it and they were doing certain things over there. Uh, in some cases, there was actually like opium runoff water, the Passaw water, which uh, sounds like some nasty stuff. But yeah, you, you never know in those older days if it was just cannabis. There was heavy amounts of pesticide use. I still wonder That's a true. lot of people um, if some of those highs that they were getting might have been coming from pesticides or even potentially molds or mildews and un, unknown, unbeknownst to them, you know, getting sort of high off of that, um, which might not be a great thing but it was definitely probably happening to people because that stuff was very much as soon as every market goes legal you know what happens they go and they test all the stuff from the gray market and then a certain percentage of it has a bunch of fucking pesticides and molds because there's a bunch of operators out there that like aren't just like us who grow for ourselves and like put a lot of passion into it they're just fucking they're not growing for themselves they're growing for (laughs) they're growing for a butt it's a job it's a business and they look at it like that and they're an unregulated business so they're not going to care about the pesticide regulations if that keeps their crop alive that feeds them and their family so i get where they're coming from it's just unfortunate that a lot of people um i i value cannabis as a medicine very highly so as even when i was in the gray and black market days like here in california we had medical prop 215 so i was working at an organic delivery service where we tried to all pick up from we'd vet the farms and see how they grew and try to make sure to the best of our ability and even lab test stuff send stuff in to make sure that it wasn't sprayed with, you know, the main nasty stuff that a lot of people were using. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of uh, like baking bread. Like, like I have a, a yeast culture, sourdough yeast culture. And, um, you know, you can go and get dough from places, right? And all that stuff. But it might not be how you want it to be. It doesn't have that same taste or flavor or sourness, right? Um and so I kind of feel like in the same way, but, but at the same time, some people take, they're able to make really good sour or, or, you know, whatever characteristics or qualities at a more, at a larger scale. Like they are able to take those, um, you know, those good techniques and do well with them. Just not everyone does. I just think it's important to like, understand that there can be that overlap. Brandon often, I think, and sort of embodies that sort of idea of like you you do scale up, but um, not without taking a certain threshold uh, of like a quality, like you won't accept that. It has to be above that. And what um, I, I really think it's a big for you, but. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, go ahead, Matthew. I would just say not to speak for Brandon or anything, but I think he'd agree with that description. 
I think Brandon is one example. And out here in California, like the biggest brand, Cannabiotics, they're not growing any cuts that everybody else has. They hunted their own shit. They went through this guy, Limited Trees Genetics, who has like 10,000 followers on Instagram, who had his own cereal milk across, which is not the cookies brand MSO cereal milk. It's their own cereal milk. It's like a thick mint OG, which is from a cookies lineage to a strawberry lemonade or whatever. And uh, that was their flagship strain. It was like a Southern California group, went out to Nevada, set up shop there, did really well in Nevada, figured out all the regulations, everything, came back to California. Now they're the biggest best-selling flower and biggest brand in California. Their edibles move and everything. And I think when you do like Brandon or them, where you hunt your own genetics, you have a consistent competitive advantage is how I've heard it described in business. You have something no one else has. And if you grow it well and you market it well, like they have, and Brandon has really good uh, images that go along with the strains that represent the lineage and the taste and the flavor. And they make it interesting and, and brand it to their, you know, it's like a lifestyle kind of thing with every brand at a certain point, you get a, a feeling from who the people behind it are. And if you relate to them or not, you might choose to go through their product and really nothing speaks more for itself than the product. I think if you have the fanciest packaging, the coolest names, coolest labels, you'll sell something once, but you're not going to sell them twice or three or 10 or 20 times to get somebody to keep buying your stuff like this brand, Kinabotics, every Friday they do their drops and their stuff sold out by the end of the weekend uh, at my wife's shop and at many other shops. And people drive around looking for their select stuff. And it's only sold in eighths in glass jars, which is crazy. Shit's like 60 or 65 bucks an eighth before fucking taxes, which is unbelievable. But um, it still happens. And like people are all talking about how the pound price is so low, so, so low, whatever. But these big brands that are doing it well are still in business and still doing well. So I think that if you're able to, uh, you know, find good genetics and, and grow your own shit, like like how we all do it at home. <laughs> like they're basically, uh, like Matthew said, taking it to scale, whether it's baking bread at an artisan level and then scaling that up, learning how you do everything and keep keeping everything. The problem I think a lot of businesses have is they hire um you know outside a, yeah they they hire a business degree person who's mm -hmm. got no experience and i forget what i think it's an mba masters of business administration <laughs> they come That's in right they've never done that job but they went to harvard or whatever so they got that mba from that fancy school and they're like hey instead of doing this how you've been doing it for so long being successful we're going to outsource that shit so we're going to save you 10 bucks on each pound of sugar and we're going to save you you know 50 cents here 50 cents there and instead of getting it from that local source that made everything good they start cheapening up everything and i've seen this from restaurants to clothing brands so many things scale and then they fuck up the quality like in and out the restaurant they stopped scaling because they felt like they couldn't control their quality after a certain point so it's only on the west coast and people generally and in and out in and, and out is is um sorry to interrupt but they're they are um, they're studied often for their business practices, exactly like you're talking about. They're a step above, I would say, as far as customer service, the quality of their food for the scale. I mean, for fast food, it's a fair price and, and high quality for what it is. Uh, I'm somebody who eats and enjoys fast food. Admittedly, I'm ashamed of it. Whatever, fucking shame me in the comments. I eat healthy a lot of the times too, but I also enjoy fucking the nasty ass trashy. Like I'll eat McDonald's, but I can say that McDonald's is a lot different than In-N-Out for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I agree and with that. Those practices, you can scale to a point. And I think uh, it just, you got to keep hiring the right people and you have to stick with, my dad used to say, dance with the one that brung you. And it's kind of like a saying about like going to a dance, right? You should dance with the person who actually brought you there. But 
he would use it in like the saying for like sports. If you were a, a basketball team and you got to a championship playing with a certain type of defense, a certain type of offense, and then you try and change it up because now it's a championship game. Like that's not a good idea. You should stick with what you did that got you there because usually that's what's going to make you successful. And granted, sometimes there's a need to change when things aren't working and to get to that next level. Sometimes you have to do something that you've never done before to get somewhere you've never been before or whatever. But there's a, a lot of, I think, success in <laughs> keeping with the successful strategies that work for you, whether, and people love to shame the home grower because it's like, oh, what does this home grower know? They've never done it at scale. And then Absolutely. so many of them step in and fucking crush it at scale. Aaron, the grower, fucking Brandon Rust, like uh, Spartan Grown and the crew over at Mint Canico, like they take it from their experience and, and just do it at a larger scale. And you think that it's not going to be possible, but maybe they don't crush it the first run. They get better every single run, though, and they have the passion. And I think that uh, those people, a lot of people call them chads or the corporate people come in and that passion's not there. They get the lowest dollar per hour employees in there and they get the big popular cut that everybody has available to them. So like everybody's growing jealousy because it tests at 40%. And then, you know, it's like, what do you have that makes you different? What do you have that makes you special? Jack, I have a perfect example for you. And it was a job interview I did at a grow here in Jackson. And uh, they were like this big, you know, I go in and it's crazy because there's a gated fence you had to get let into the even to go park and it was all high tech and i was like wow I'm, I'm impressed so i sit down with these two we'll call them chad and chad and uh you know after a little bit of talking i i said something about growing and they said oh well, yeah we don't have every, anybody we don't let anybody grow and, and still work in the gardens here and i said <laughs> I laughed. I said, you're not serious, are you? And they're like, yeah, that's an IPM issue. I'm like, oh my God, you guys' IPM is so weak that you couldn't, that you, you, that you're worried that somebody's bringing in from their house, not in the fucking giant ass parking lot, not in the bushes you have manicured outside your doors that harbor bugs, none of that. That doesn't bother you, but somebody that's got to grow miles away that's what's bothering you and god forbid your growers get better at their craft you wouldn't want that no that, that's a terrible idea let's not do that well i don't think that <laughs> i don't think that I, really uh, went well yeah. after that but i mean it was like offensive to me it was like what <laughs> i have to agree with that assessment you know i understand that there are there are um there are jobs out there where like for health reasons and things like that you know there are certain things that you just aren't allowed to do right. And it's on your own free time. Right. But I feel like this is, um, you don't see this in other agricultural products or, 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 or places, you know, in fact, you uh, cannot speaking, have a garden speaking from personal. Yeah. Speaking from personal experience. Um, yeah. A lot of the coworkers I've had in agricultural, um, work, uh, yeah, they landscape or they do all kinds of other things and are avid gardeners and horticulturalists of their own repute, you know, and you can tell that they're masterful at their craft because it's actually something that they're passionate about. It's um, really, really myopic. I was going to also mention that, um, you know, as an example for like improvements and things like that, you know, currently... Uh, there's a massive resurgence of a virus called impatience necrotic spot virus. And it's, it's killing a lot of the lettuce in Salinas Valley and other parts of California. It's been a huge problem. If you've noticed your salad prices or other vegetation prices have gone up, that's why. Um, or are just not available 
like a lot of places. We're just not available. Yeah, exactly. They say no lettuce, and, like fast food specifically. Like we have no lettuce available right now. Imagine this happens with cannabis, right? You know, it's like, it's one of those things where I feel like, um, I mean, story of my life, story of my career. A lot of people don't have any respect or very little appreciation or understanding rather of all these things can mess up that like, especially cannabis, not having benefited again from some of these um, uh, sort of infrastructural support that we have in modernity, um, for better or for worse, this has caused a problem that I think that I'm just very worried that we won't be able to solve I think that we will be able to solve it, but like without significant costs, it's already happened, like millions of dollars of damage, right? Um, if something else were to occur that was equally damaging, like this INSV, I just feel like people wouldn't be calling it, uh, you know, not an improvement. You know, if we're able to resist some other problem in the future before it becomes a major issue, not only through research, but also through people just knowing about it and making, you know, changes to their growing because it's a problem in their area you know we don't even have that you know like a like a sort of a bolo like hey if you're in these areas you know they're getting hit hard by xyz not not really any of that that's actually one thing that i'm going to be uh doing more this year and following years is i'm going to be um forecasting some of that information more because some because a lot of that information for pests that attack cannabis and many other plants it does exist out there I think it would benefit growers. So it would for sure. out for that. Yeah. I don't know, a lot of cannabis growers grow other plants. So even if they don't attack cannabis, it's still good to know if there's something out there. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, you mentioned something really good too, about how, um, you know, when things get more legal or hopefully when, you know, uh, or things are just more accepted and people are able to do more assessments, even personally, privately, you know, like with hazelnuts, I had a, a, a video a while ago that talked about hazelnut powdery mildew. And during that, in the research that I looked at about it, one of the things that the researchers found was that, well, one, this powdery mildew strain is kind of like a single strain that hasn't really hybridized with other things around it. So it's kind of like from one sort of infection point. But also they found that when they looked for like resistance in, in different plants, well, they found that like, the of course, it's the highest the the most well-known name tombul these are like the big hazelnuts that most people get in confectionery and things like that they're the good guys they're the high price ones uh wouldn't you know it a lot of orchards that say that they had tombul didn't have tombul even though they called it tombul because nobody was looking at it or because of the way the people would grow it they just would say oh i'm pretty sure it is and they just call it that I'm you know, shocked, that sounds Matthew. very familiar, doesn't it? So <laughs> um, it does happen. It does happen. And it's just one of those things where if we know that, then that's you can make you mean I can get more that. for this bag if I call it runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly so. what just went down in, in the regular agriculture industry. So people don't uh, be surprised, I guess, when you see it in cannabis. I think Sarah, uh, I found that post. If you want to check out this way, this dude did this cop thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, share the screen. I, I made it. Sorry, right, I got it. Yep. And uh, I just want to say, funny, quick story before while it's popping up. Uh, I went to an interview once, thinking it was a cannabis job, and it was like talking about like botanical specialist, like a blah blah blah. And it made it seem like uh, cannabis. 
and it ended up being like a Kratom or Kratom interview. Oh, man. oh yeah. That was I was like halfway thing, in. I had like my <laughs> cannabis resume and like all this shit. And then I found out it's like it was like a Spartan moment, like halfway through. I like once I figured that out, I was like, oh, this isn't going to fucking work. Uh, Did they just like keep saying medicinal plant, medicinal plant? You're like, yeah, medicinal yeah. plant. Exactly. Yeah. And in California, I'm like, OK, cool. Yeah. This is just <laughs> yeah. like a really interesting way of like, you know, trying to hide the fact that you're trying to hire for your cannabis business. And then. Yeah. Anyway, but Tao, go ahead oh, and talk us through Rascal Farmer. I just post. want to mention he's from Michigan. Shout out to my yeah, yeah. Rascal Farmer, man. So this guy, Rascal Farmer, says, three years ago, I heard about Southwest Asian Cure, and I was skeptical. I wouldn't smoke that disgusting-looking shit. I said I smoked that swag in the 80s. Something got me, though. I age hash, and this is an aging process, not really a cure. But let me back up a little bit. 1984, sitting with three buddies in a car, stoned off my ass after the four of us smoked an average joint of some Colombian brickweed. We were doing rock, paper, scissors to see who was going to go in his store and buy drinks because we were too stinking paranoid to go in. But we had cotton mouth so bad we could have spit dust. So we sat there for 30 minutes staring at the door before we drove off. What the hell? Was it just because that was a sativa and today's weed is hybrid or indica? I wasn't buying that answer. Then it hit me. All that weed was air dried, pressed into a brick, wrapped in plastic, airtight, loaded into a boat, and made its way to northern Michigan somehow. It was all Southeast Asian cured by default, like age hash. I figured the Mercine had started to convert over to hashishine, just like it does in the Temple Balls. You rupture the trikes under pressure and everything homogenizes as it ages. I grabbed some coals of Pimus tropicalis, my green ice hash plant by Vortex, out of a bucket and wrapped them in that turkey bag as tight as I could. I removed the large fan leaves, but you leave on the sugars. Then I vacuum sealed it as hard as my machine would. That was five weeks ago. My son and I rolled a joint of that last night, and that was as far as we could get with it. They were spacey. We were spacey, kind of wrecked. This morning, I packed up my Jones with some of it mixed with some hash. I smoke every day. I got three hits off before I wanted to set it down. It doesn't hit the same, taste the same, or feel the same. Hasn't been quite uh, that high. Hasn't been quite that high in a long, long time. Maybe your daddy was right. So there's, ooh, there's the pictures of it when he took it out, I guess, of the thing. And then they, they so stopped. Right it looks there. like he left it on the bud, so he didn't like bucket. So he just on took the stem the bud. Yeah. Okay, on the stem. He put the so whole just... thing in vacuum sealed yep. it. And that's what it kind of looked like when you would pull out some pieces from a. Uh, exported weed you know yeah back in the day colombian tie stick all that shit yeah so i think this is I, definitely worth yeah. trying and this was the post i was referencing he said he said, so this, five was weeks, dry I said three. this was dry bud i'm assuming yeah that's what he said yeah okay i saw another person who did it um god i, I wish i could remember who it was but that they were i'll put the link in chat like just like right about when you go into a jar essentially like still got some moisture to it but not like bone dry, you know, like a smokable bud. Um, I, I wish I could find the post, but I'm not going to be able to pull it up. I've, the One of the problems of following 7,500 growers on Instagram is that you occasionally lose stuff. I tend to actually use that little saved feature, the little flag thing, but sometimes like it isn't as immediately pressable and then I forget to do it or whatever. But uh, yeah. Or I save so many that I can't find it in all my saved posts. But that is a really interesting thing. And uh, shout out to Rascal Farmer and Genetic Memory Farms and everybody yeah. else who's experimenting with that stuff because that's cutting edge science of like that. This is the shit that we need to do. We really, and I would like to see lab testing. I think it probably is hashishim. Like he said, the description he gave was perfect. It ruptures trichomes and then it homogenizes within, whether it's the hash 
like French you can only style where you roll out a tempo ball while you're taking those strikes. If you look under a microscope, if you just take dry sift and you look under a scope, you can still see all the fucking heads until you've like heat it up and roll it and press it. And even then you can still see a lot of the heads, even in like Frenchie style hash, unless you really, really take it and fucking smash it all together and get it to be a homogenous resin. And when you do that, it changes the chemical profile. It's like a, when I was a kid, I was really surprised when I found out scrambling an egg was a chemical reaction not a physical reaction because i was like well it's a physical action you're just fucking scrambling the egg right and like scientifically it's a chemical reaction because it cannot be unscrambled once you scramble it and so i think that's the kind of same thing with the resin with the hash it's like once it is made into hash or once it's pressed into that thing you cannot like unpress it that process has taken place it's gone down that chain and it's a new thing it's a different product. Like you said, like they could barely smoke it. So there's something about it. Maybe they have lower tolerance to hashishine and maybe eventually they'll gain tolerance to that. Or maybe that hashishine is like THCV where there's just not a ceiling. Like if you smoke enough Vortex, I'm hoping that I find a pheno with THCV in it from Spartans F2s. It'll just keep on carrying you up and up and up and to the point where you're like tachycardic. Like you're, I'm a heavy smoker and like a really, really good Vortex or some of the, the THCV phenos can get your heart fucking racing. And like, you just feel like you've never felt so high or you have to like go run or do something. Like you just have so much energy. Yeah. And you're just like forced to put it down. You're like, if I keep going, I'm fucking get sick. Yeah. Like you might get the spins or something or just feel yeah. like paranoid. And like you said, like your natural inclination, I believe that our body, we're intuitive creatures to some regard. Like if you're just able to smoke a joint and keep going, it's saying I'm not too high. I can just keep on going. Yeah. My tolerance is high enough. I can fucking sit here and smoke joints. I might not be per talking perfectly on <laughs> the <of that> podcast <laughs> or whatever, but I could sit here, you know, comfortably and smoke more joints. But with stuff like that, you literally like your body's like, oh shit, like I need to set this down. Like I'm too fucking high. And uh, sometimes, especially when you stand up, you'll notice like, oh fuck, like this is really strong. Like you're trying to do something and you realize like, wow, this is a... A lot stronger than i was expecting it to be <laughs> it's always fun to discover it's rare for me these days but if you take a really heavy edible dose or rso dose oh, and, yeah. uh, or try a new strain like something with the thcv perhaps yeah. brandon did you work with anything that has a thcv no not that i not that i know of because <laughs> i know you, you got a lot of your stuff tested so that would be something that would stand out and yeah i haven't seen any thcv uh, that gas number four that I mentioned did have high CBG, I think it was. I remember that, yeah. And that was, was like, like even in the harvested bud, which everyone's like, wait, shouldn't CBG already be turned into like THC or THCA? And um, that's something that they're finding in hemp too. Like there's like a 10% CBG cultivar and um, it has its own medical benefits. A lot of people are finding CBG to, you know, just like lots of other cannabinoids have tons of different medical benefits. Yeah, I mean, for me, I uh, I feel like when I have a, a more robust overall profile, it doesn't necessarily need to be super high numbers. It's just a better overall effect. And specifically, like, I know, like, my sour cheese berry, for instance, that specific cut I know that, you know, because 16 different growers grew it out on a competition. I got to see the cannabinoid tests and I got to see the terpene tests from all those different grows. And it has unique terpenes that are not common in most of the varieties that are common today. 
things like Delta-3 carrying, Osiamine, um, and uh, things like, and like, there's one that's called Bisu. Uh, Bisabolo? Yeah, Bisabolo. Things Dude, like that. that Osiamine tastes have... so good and smells so good. Sorry, it is pretty rare. Um, I know the Mendo Dope has a pheno. It's called like Osiamine Kush or something. Because it's mm-hmm. number one terpene is osamine as well. Yeah. And it's cool to see that because I, I really enjoy that. It's a pretty unique. And the high is different. The effect on that sp- specific type of weed is just way different. And it's like, I notice when I smoke that, there's nothing else like it, but I don't have any other varieties that have their main terpenes are are more rare. You know, like that's that's the thing. So it, it'd be really nice to be able to find more stuff that, carries higher quantities of those rare terpenes i think we'll find that with uh like matthew was talking about earlier with um hopefully all this corporate if these guys share anything which i don't that's the one downside i don't think like us will fucking sell it or share it or pass it around with a lot of these bigger companies they're gonna find isolate and the reason that this stuff isn't top 10 california sales is because they're still working on it privately in their labs, you know, and they're probably not even putting it into the markets because they're trying to patent, isolate and do whatever they have to do and just identify all their markers and chemotypes so they can know when the floodgates open, they're going to start to try and buy and, and control certain things. And yeah, um, I feel like I feel like they could be greedy. You know, you could def- they could definitely take like a massively greedy route. Right. Which many have already done. Um, yeah, that biotech you know, LLC or whatever with the fucking crazy patents that they have right exactly and and also like and like you're saying it's like you could go one way with it and be like more you know industrialized or rather you know just sort of commercial but still kind of maintain that quality and that like a spirit of core of like you know not being evil <laughs> right or or not being super controlling um and unfortunately like even if you wanted to be good natured about it like there's so many especially in California, as we well know, you know, there's so many pitfalls and traps that like, it seems like the only people who could even sort of, you know, deign to try are people who might be um, without scruples (laughs) at all. And uh, I don't really want those people to be at the, you know, at the, at the helm of the California cannabis corporate, uh, corporate system. I think that maybe it could be done in a way that is not, um, so jarring but you know what do i know i'm just somebody who has a sort of a passion for this crop and i want to make sure that people do it do things like this like effectively i know it's possible it's possible but are people going to actually do it that's the that's the question are we going to incentivize good behavior the problem is so much of our future is determined by policies that are probably not going to be written or put into place by people like ourselves exactly a lot of these giant huge money corporations that get these laws passed actually um, have no connections with us. And so they have a lot of the control. Like there's weird policies that get put into place and a lot of people get cut out. And just as a general reminder, I mean, this is the cheap home grow. A lot of us are just home growers. And I don't think that people should feel bad about that if they haven't gotten to like pursue the dream and go on to do something like uh, Brandon or uh, Spartan or, uh, Aaron scale where they've gone to that commercial level and like had hundreds or thousands of plants and gotten to do it like professionally because ultimately like anything I guess at least for me like even working the delivery side of things and seeing grows and knowing a lot of people now working in them 
I think that there's so much joy to be had in the home grove. Like, I really think that this is like the fucking pinnacle. Like, if, if you really think about it, you have 100% control, ideally, Absolutely. over your domain. You choose the medium, you choose the genetics, you choose the lighting, the fans, you choose it all. It's all your control. When you go into that job, it's their decision. If they're going to get the best one, if they're going to get the worst one or in between, you might know, oh, that fan's going to fucking break because it's a piece of shit, but we're just going to have to deal with that when it comes or whatever at the commercial grill. And you could tell them and they might just ignore you. And then you're going to have to be there dealing with mm -hmm. problems when it breaks. And so there's, and like Spartan mentioned a lot in the past, a lot of it is just mopping the floors and deleafing plants. It's not a lot of glorious time. A lot of it, like the harvest time, might even seem like really fun but a lot of people have allergic reactions to that giant amount of terpenes and plants so like you might actually be like hived up and like wearing sleeves to your fucking hand and gloved up and wearing a respirator in there so like yeah. value the home grow like enjoy your time with your plants i know a lot of you guys do and you don't need to be reminded of this but i see so many people that are like oh man i can't wait to get a job in cannabis i might move states to get a job mm -hmm. and i'm like if you're able to realistically grow your own plants at home you might get as much or more joy out of it and even like doing small breeding projects and interacting with communities like this like the top isn't that much further away from where you're already at right now like the amount of, at least for me the level of joys that i've been able to experience at like this relatively modest low uh lowly home grower scale that a lot of people love to shit on on the internet like all the time i'll, I'll be on instagram and people will be like fucking tent grower or like you're just a home grower where the fuck you know i'm like guys like they might actually be extremely knowledgeable like some of the best breeders came from the tent you know and a lot of it, i don't know it's just a my opinion, interesting community my opinion about that is like um you know if I was in charge of like a strategic goal, right. To like, make sure that we had, um, we being whatever, maybe like the government or whatever, you know, if we, as a group, like in California or the United States or wherever you are, and you're like, Hey, I want to make sure that we're incentivizing, you know, uh, sort of intellectual growth and like mastery of a certain thing so that more people are better at it. And if that's cannabis, well, you don't want to ban it, people from <laughs> experimenting with it. That's very um, not helpful, right? Like, I feel like we get a lot of our good, uh, you know, we get a lot of our good marksmen because people are able to do that at their, at their own, you know, leisure in a lot of places. You know, we get a lot of good mechanics. We get a lot of other good people because independently they're, they're able to investigate and be interested and like sort of build those skills in some ways, even get paid for it before they're maybe even like at a certain level of mastery or like professional before they get a license for something or something like this. And I just feel like, especially in agriculture, the same kind of thing. Imagine if you couldn't have a garden or something or, or um, you know, you couldn't easily access like certain tools that people can easily get, um, you ridiculous. know, notionally speaking. Yeah. Where then, where are these talented people going to come from? That they have to go to like some journeyman school and, and like do it? No, that's ridiculous. And Oaksterdam and the <laughs> yeah, it's Sorry. just like no, it just it just seems as though like yeah, if you wanted to if you want to incentivize like um, you know above parity with other people you're competing with, that and you want to like make sure that like I don't know like if you wanted to be, I know there's other issues with this sort of a mindset, but like. Just theoretically, if you want to incentivize good growth and make sure there's like 
amazing quality growers, people who are very skilled at what they're doing, um, then you have to make sure, then you would want to incentivize that they know good theory, get to practice it themselves and have a lot of time doing both of those things and getting very good at that sort of thing. Now, some people might not be able to do that on their own, but a lot of people are able to do that on their own or at least reach a certain level of skill. Um, and if you take that away, then obviously you're going to have a lot less of that. And then how are you going to compete with the, the world when inevitably, um, you know, this kind of becomes opened up, or at least that's my opinion. Anyways, I just feel like it's, even if you were being incredibly greedy as a nation like the United States, I feel like if you want to make the money from cannabis, then, you know, at least do that. Like let people home grow, let people home brew. Uh, I believe it was Carter who signed that in law, right? You know, we can at least grow six. The only thing is that we can't grow outdoors, which is kind of bullshit because California, I mean, we should all be yeah. able to grow outdoor with those six, but um, sorry, I cut you off. And uh, oh, no, it's okay. Um, I was just, I was just thinking, um, because you know, with home brewing is the same thing. There's a, there was a prohibitionary period, and then now people can even like make certain kinds of alcohol at home. Um, you know, I remember my point I, was. Is France, oh, yeah. do they have a home like wine industry or an artisanal wine industry? Or is it all like to me, champagne is, is pretty commercial, but I mean, it's probably expensive and there's lots of different levels of champagne, but like, that's the one I think of. And I know like a nanoscale of... thing. Like, are there like nanoscale or microscale like champagne? Yeah. Like is that, is that popular in France? Is that a large culture? Like, is there a, a smaller scale, but like maybe higher price point thing that I'm probably just not aware of? I know that there's really, I think so, lines. but I don't know for sure. Um, I don't know if it's nanoscale area. So and then the, they have even more rules limited. on top of that. It has to be grown a certain way with like yeah, a certain yeah, cultivation. Limits it pretty. <laughs> I don't think there's probably a huge market. If, uh, maybe one or two people maybe can get away with it. But if they're doing all that, they're probably trying to be big. I think not specifically the the strain or terroir champagne, but like just in the country of France is micro wine. Oh, okay. So not making, yeah, like any, any similar type product. of, yeah, mixes and I know blends are a thing. Um, but I know that there's wines that go, they get sold out and like people auction for them and spend like thousands and thousands of dollars for a few bottles uh, or cases, you know, it's um, pretty insane. Like, and I think that, cannabis is similar enough it's a flavorful intoxicant in a, in a way and there's going to be that market i think once we go federally legal and people start to have that appreciation for the people that do separate themselves and begin to think, have certain practices and guidelines i think you guys both brought up really great points to why above all else what has to be protected is home grow and then uh -huh. from there you know i think a free market is better than fucking restricted market and and i think there's room for the big fucking you know we keep doing the alcohol references so i'll stick with that but like the bud lights we got room for that and we've got people that absolutely that's all they need but the good news is is that there's a thing called tolerance when it comes to cannabis so eventually the people that started on the bud lights are going to want to step it up and then when that happens quality will be there and that's where the the home market is or the small scale is there's <coughs> And I think that's the best model in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just like, yeah, if you were, if, if the only way, the only reason why you would try to stranglehold is that you're being incredibly greedy and short-sighted 
um, that's my sort of hot take about it. Like, um, you know, if you want to prosper, you should have people home grow. If you don't want to prosper, if you want to make everything tightly controlled, then you're also going to tightly restrict a bunch of other things down the pipeline. You know, um, it's a bottom yeah, effect. Exactly. hundred really, percent creates a ton of cost for the end consumer, which means less people have medicine available to them because, you know, we have to pay the government to fucking watch us and make sure that, you know, we're not fucking up, I guess. On the back end and then like massive taxes and things like that too. Right. So it's just, uh, it's just punishment. You know, it's a syntax, right. Well, and like I there's think- good, there's like testing. I love that, you know, for people oh, that are sure. vulnerable, like yeah. testing for pesticides and molds let's and molds. That's cool. Come on, Jack. Let's be but, honest, though. If that wasn't a requirement and it was a free market, you think the fucking the market wouldn't self-adjust to that already? No, I mean, well, there are some more, things. I would argue there'd probably be more stringent testing than there is now. Well, there's a reason we don't have private firefighting. I mean, we have some of that, too, but we also have a public firefighting corps, right? Because, well, that would be kind of messed up if you could just be like, my house is on fire. And I will say the private market like, tends to do a lot better. Like if you walk into like you know, say, Apple store versus option. like the DMV is a comparison I always hear. And it's like how clean and well-run like a private industry is usually versus like the DMV or the post office or any other government agency, usually not the most well-run. Um, a lot of, you know, fat that could be trimmed. A lot of, uh, you know, just- There's corruption in both disciplines. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yeah. It's like- yeah, it's 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 hard for me to really I don't know. I've I've I feel like a private it's all down to your construction really at the end of the day. Are you actually getting are you actually hiring people and trying to like weed out, you know, that sort of um you said something earlier about like military and like there's I know a lot of ex-military individuals and a lot of them will tell you that a lot of the private guys here in the US have better stuff. <laughs> And more equipped than then they not that they have like drones but the actual like handheld things they have more expensive yeah they also don't go they also don't come back for you this in a lot true. of cases yeah no but i agree with you well like on top of well one time about corruption like um how about our military industrial complex that's something that i the fucking pentagon uh, budget being audited and like <laughs> failing a black for, like, budget yeah However much How they want, they want to go after us for six hundred bucks on Venmo or fucking sell <laughs> or whatever. Which thankfully they pushed off for another year. Apparently, so you don't have to worry about that. But next year, all of your six hundred dollar and above, like if you sent your buddy fucking money for rent or food and shit like that, like you're gonna have to explain this and potentially pay taxes on it, which is crazy. Uh, but that's pretty American specific tax information that I'm sure a lot of our foreign listeners don't give a shit about. <laughs> but <laughs> it is interesting and. uh so much of what our future depends on really is law, like I was saying earlier, and like it could be just some shady billionaires, whatever behind closed doors, shaping how it happens. So as much Didn't as that happened recently in Russia, didn't we recently see was it Kirily or somebody is a major investor in it like was an MSO? Kirilyev, yeah, was our it? big buddies yeah. in the MSO Kirilyev had fucking investments from Russian oligarchs. What a surprise! Oh, and guess who has a whole bunch of? I'm not going to say it on air because I don't want to get sued. But yeah, there's a lot of money from not so good places in public cannabis, whether, you know, the stuff that I can legally say is like big tobacco is clearly in cannabis already. So like Altria Group and many others uh, at this billions dollars scale. And then there's also, you know, potentially I won't say the countries, but like cartels are investing in California and elsewhere because they oh, see the yeah, money that's, that's 
no, they're bragging about it. They're like talking about, I want to have a brand like this brand. <laughs> like it's a uh, oh yeah, almost comical, but they're participating in the legal market and the illicit market. So why not, right? It's uh, yeah. There's a there's a very famous um, there's a very famous exercise that happened in the military with the Navy, and without making a massive long story, basically, um, you know, a they were using a proxy for some country as the enemy, and then like a U.S. carrier fleet or something, and basically they challenged the another like um, you know naval officer and their cadre to like you know beat the Americans using this proxy force. This um, in this like experiment and they were able to overwhelm like the the jewel of the u.s navy with a bunch of cheap uh swarm tactics a bunch of small boats you know and with enough explosives enough of them get passed uh with the saturation attack destroy aircraft carriers all this stuff the navy is like at the end at the end of that exercise they're like oh that didn't count uh you know let's redo this test you know and they're, they're like but like, it doesn't meet our navy standard <laughs> testing yeah, it's it's just like, you know, I guess I bring it up because um, you know, you gotta watch out for that. Like <laughs> it reminds me of like, the question, would you wanna fight like one uh horse one duck sized duck, hor- one horse sized duck, yeah. <laughs> or like a thousand duck sized horses. And then there's yes. like the darker one that it's like how many like 10 year olds could you fight off or something like that like eventually like if there was just enough of anything and they swarm yeah. you you're gonna lose like at certain yeah. points so uh it's it's unfortunate that you know that power can happen whether it's this sure volume of people or in uh the cannabis spaces case volume of funding funneling money into something whether it's the policy or even just like buying licenses literally spending millions of dollars to purchase one of the only licenses in Arizona or only licenses in Florida. Like there's like a hundred something in Arizona and there's like less than 30 in Florida. And something I found out about Florida, one of the councilmen is like being sued or put in jail because he did some back alley deal that made it so to have a farm permit in Florida, you needed to have a farm for 30 years, 30 years before. And it was wow. because he owned a bunch of farms that he owned for 30 years. So he pushed a bunch of money to a certain person who was able to write this into the policy and make it some fucking tiny little fine print that nobody's even going to think about until the licenses start rolling out and nobody can fucking get them except for this guy. So there's shit like that. It just, uh, unfortunately, like they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because in like California's case, we had 50,000 growers and they only put out 5,000 permits. So 45,000 growers aren't just going to pack up shop. I mean, some of the ones that paid for the permits are packing up shop, but there's a lot of people here and we're kind of known for California is known for cannabis. So to cut 45,000 of your participants out of the market, because you just decide, Oh, we only want to give out a certain number of permits is sort of, uh, you're going to bottleneck yourself and you're going to cut potentially what made your state famous for that product no longer existent. Like the thing that made Humboldt special, the thing that made, you know, Mendo special, the thing that made Southern California special. If you cut all those people out, then California is no longer like the Michigan will be if they're not already. I, I just haven't been to Michigan, but I, I strongly suspect they're already the fucking cannabis capital in, Cal- in, in the U.S. Like everything I see from there looks like the same or better quality. And the people are fucking putting out fire. The breeders, the growers, the hash makers, like everywhere you look in Michigan, I'm over here in California, like, fuck, I'm jealous of Michigan bros grow I have to stop watching because I'm sitting over here like green with envy looking at these guys and I'm in fucking Southern California, like supposed to be like one of the meccas of Canada. 
And my wife works for a company that has a huge budget where she gets fucking hooked up with all sorts of product uh, for free here in California. I get to try all the fucking brands and I sell them like, damn, I would really like to try some of the stuff in Michigan from the home growers and the fucking brands alike. Um, it's, it's an earlier market. It almost reminds me of California a few years ago, as far as like the regulations and things like that. It was more like our medical days. I know you guys are wrecked now and you have very stringent testing as well. So, but you just implemented it a little bit better. It seems like to me, because you still have micro licenses and, uh, people that are participating on the smaller scale and you have caregivers. Uh, that was a big thing. That's not really implemented <clears throat> as strongly here in California anymore. 215 wow. is like a hollow shell of its former self. And, um, the medical system is very, very slim versus it's like almost all wreck. It's like 99% wreck, like 1% medical year. Yeah, they, that's for now, man. That's the things that they always come go after is first is caregivers, home grow. So you got to stay up on what the politicians are trying to pull. But, uh, yeah, I think that's my only advice is stand up, man. I mean, when something is wrong, just stand up and say something. It's this in this day and age in this country, don't be afraid anymore. There's no reason for you to be. Like that, that perfect example. I walked the walk in, in that job interview, you know, that could have been great for me. It could have been a great job, great paying job, but I was fucking offended to my core when they said that they don't want their employees homegrown. Fuck you. <laughs> I will not stand for that, you know. And you know, I pretty much told them that. So yeah, I just encourage people to to stand up for it. And I think that makes a difference. It people don't usually expect that. So um, and if you just sit quiet, we're gonna stay grindingly moving forward. But we're still moving forward. But you know, we can increase that pace a little bit if we just start speaking out. There's especially it's easy for me to say in a state that's legalized, but I'm I'm saying at least in the legalized states, even you know, when their your your job says something about piss test and be like, what the fuck are you wasting your money piss testing in a state where it's legal for cannabis? You know, drop that off of the piss test. That is dumb. You know, just say, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. People are so scared, but what are they, what are they really? It's very in vogue. It's very in vogue for people to be like, oh, don't become politically active because nothing matters. And, you know, the, the Illuminati. That's a scam. I really think that's a scam. They put out to fucking make people not participate. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's strong within our community. A lot of people are in, in California, especially believe that the political process is all fucking corrupt and they don't have a fucking chance to have their voice heard but if you go like you can speak at a local council meeting you can vote voting actually fucking matters they do count people will fucking argue about that all day long but uh yeah go out and vote if you can if you're able to some people have had their rights taken away over this plant sadly uh a lot of people got arrested got felonies and now no longer can vote for life over their fucking cannabis crime so work to advocate for expunging that in your state because if you get those expunged and taken off your record have that felony removed you can have a whole bunch of rights given back to people which would change their lives very much for the better and i think that needs to happen in every state that it hasn't already yeah it's in in jail in prison still for things that are legal where they're over like joints a couple joints for possession it's It's just super disempowering I and I can, and I totally understand be, being cynical or jaded, especially people who had to live through a harsher time than I ever had to experience, you know. Well, and the government's um, powerful. It, it truly of is. Of course. Yeah. And it's, it is at points corrupt, and, but there are ways to fix it. There is ways to improve. Well, it's better to settle my own soul to say that I tried. 
whether it's a rig system or not a rig system, you can argue for days and never get to the answer. But ask yourself, did I try to do something? Yeah. About it or did I just bitch about it? There's a great story about like a guy, he's on the beach and there's a bunch of starfish washed up and there's like hundreds, maybe thousands of starfish and he's picking them up and he's throwing them back in the water and somebody comes up and they're like, what, what are you doing? You're not going to be able to save them all. And he's holding one in his hand. He's like, I saved this one, fucking tosses it back in the ocean. And like Spartan just said, you might not be able to save them all. You might not be able to change everything, but you can make a difference. So I think uh, it's something to be inspired. And I know Spartan, this is actually the time of the show that you typically uh, give your final thoughts and shout out. I think that was a great thought a note to uh end things on so where can the people find you and where are you going in 15 minutes thanks jack yeah i'm going to the mr bros grow show you can catch me over there i see a couple of my buddies in chat right now uh skillbo red setter farm wow my mouth is not working anymore uh but they'll all probably join me on the show and uh i'm sure you're going to see everybody else uh from the michigan bros grow show it's always a fun time who knows what we talk about it's not Sometimes we might talk about grow, but a lot of times it's just Michigan bros. <laughs> <laughs> the Michigan bro show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, just much love, everybody. You know, this is a new year. Uh, just coming to it. Uh, I've said it a couple of times in private chats and, and, and other places, but I just come in here just like you're going to kick it right in the balls. You know, get the right fucking attitude and just come in hard. And uh, I think uh, good things will happen. At least get a good head of steam and maybe it'll carry you through at least the first couple of months. <laughs> Anyways, happy New Year, Spartan. Peace happy out, New Year's, man. Everybody, you have a, a good, good rest of the show. Chat, I love you. You guys, I love you. Happy ya. New Year. Uh, just keep growing and fucking protect home grow. God damn it. Fight <laughs> <laughs> for that, right? And definitely take this new year strong anything to motivate the people i'm all for it if it's new year's or whatever else if it inspires you to do better uh, personally in your life in your job and your grow whatever it is i think uh it's it's good to try and think about a fresh start i think every single day could be that way uh, in a sense but a new year it's literally one one 23 looking at my watch seeing it earlier it's kind of funny filling out some paperwork today and uh yeah it's great i think uh it's good to have no, goals to set your mind to. Go ahead, Tal. I want to say, screw man's law. Go by God's law. It doesn't matter if your plan count is four. Do whatever you want. That's it. <laughs> if you're going to uh, take the Tao approach, and uh, yeah, be careful. I personally think that <laughs> if the laws are oh, unjust, sure. certain times, uh, you know, there's a word for it, and I'm blanking on it, but. Uh, yeah, it's like basically resisting by, uh, you know, following your own <laughs> rule. As long Civil as you're not harming others. Civil yeah. disobedience, yes. Civil disobedience is the perfect exact term I was thinking of. And I think cannabis is one of those things. And uh, if you're an intelligent person, and you are because you're listening to this show, then uh, <laughs> you know that in your own home, as long as you uh, are here in the United States, at least, you have a Fourth Amendment right to you know, not have your home or place illegally searched or seized. So just make sure not to give or grant access uh, to your dwelling. If you're growing, like Tao is uh, saying, maybe more than your plant count. And, uh, you know, with my grow light, I could literally have a hundred plants under it, or I could have two plants under it. And it's no different to the electric company, right? So like if they're all in a bunch of solo cups or if it's in a fucking earth box and I have two. So just um, you could do things within your, on, but if you're going to do those types of things don't post them on the fucking internet don't fucking uh you know convict yourself 
uh, I think having an anonymous account, maybe that's not associated with your name or any emails, things like that. If you want help and to interact with the community or, or just don't post where you're at, you know, if you're in a state that has a plant count of six, you can pretend that you're in Canada or something with an ACMPR license to grow 500 or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, not a good idea to in incriminate yourself online. Even if uh, laws are getting more cannabis friendly, you can hear my cat over here, Perrin. She agrees. She says, uh, happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you all. <laughs> yeah, and, you don't uh, have to show or tell anyone. That would be my advice. Yeah. Yeah, be really cyber in a, secure. In a certain spot. Yeah, don't show or tell anyone. So it's, uh, yeah, more. Especially if you're in like the red states. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. sick. No, that's definitely good. I think a lot of people, like the newer growers, do it more so for advice. Like, hey, what's going on with my plant? Like, I've got these spots and things like that. Or they're like, here's my setup, like any suggestions type thing. Um, I've found, because I have the privilege of being in a green state that's legal, I since I started posting, and I was a grower before I started doing a micro grow in my tent in my house. Like, I did stuff in the past, so I thought, oh, I'll fucking crush this. But naively, I fucking started up with way too much light not enough environmental controls. So I struggled. I had fucking issues and uh, people helped me out along the way. You know, there's a lot of great people that came along and said, maybe move your light up, maybe do this, maybe do that. And, uh, you know, between their feedback and my own experience, I was able to dial it in to now I've got a grow setup that I'm extremely happy with. That's extremely productive for me. And um, it's a big thanks to a lot of the people out there. I've tried many different cultivation methods. I've fucking gone from cocoa to <laughs> soil to now like a living soil and tried pots. Now I'm in an earth box. It's like there's a lot of experimentation that you can do within your own grow. And uh, going back to the whole thing of having your own control and getting to do it yourself and see how it works for you. There's so many ways to do it. I mean, everybody kind of finds a different method. Like I follow 7,500 people and even the people that follow somebody else and try and like carbon copy like their exact setup, it ends up a little bit different because what they have available to them at the time, the technology at the time, maybe they got a newer light or an older light or whatever it is, but like their budget, their grow space, everything is really, it comes down to you and your setup. And uh, that's one of the beauties of it. And it makes it really individual to you. And I think uh, it shows a little bit of your personality in the, the grow and we can all kind of get attached to that and kind of uh, celebrate the individuality. That's one thing. Um, if we're going to talk about the new year going forward, it's good to be individual. If you're in one of those places where you're feeling like you got to try and fit in, maybe it's, it, it can be good at times. So you make friends, get to be with the family and things like that. But individuality is good. Stand out, have your own thoughts, own opinions, and uh, be, being different. If you just blindly go with the crowd, history has showed us terrible results come from that. And um, I've been to a place where one of those terrible things happened. And one of the things that they celebrate now is being individual. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. They've learned from their mistake in the past, I think. And they're trying to celebrate that each individual, we all have worth and we all have something special to us to share with the world or even just, you know, independently celebrate yourself. And uh, so never forget that. I know it's a new year. A lot of people don't have those positive people out there. A lot of people are stuck in maybe a negative place. Maybe their uh, friends or family aren't as uplifting as these types of communities. So it's it's good to be reminded sometimes that uh, there's a lot of good in the world and you can make it even better yourself and, and try and better your own situation in little ways every day, make it a little bit better each day and uh, put that best foot forward. You know, I know this is becoming like a Jack Stone motivational fucking uplifting chat. <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. But um, no, it's uh, it's good to be back with everybody. I am probably feeling this way because I was 
actually a little bit sick the last few weeks. And whenever you're sick, when you get healthy again, I think it's uh, you value and appreciate how much health actually means. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the, the people who kept the show going while I wasn't here, which is all of you and everybody in the chat listening right now. I'm glad you're feeling better, Jack. And yeah, that saying, uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're 100% right. I, uh, I find that to be pretty true. So, and a lot of people are uh, really, um, uh, I'm, I'm, the word escapes me. They, down, they downplay their abilities and stuff. You know, everybody, you need to be a little bit egotistical. Underestimate, right? they underestimate yeah, themselves. They underestimate their abilities and everything. And I see it all the time. So, yeah. You really have to know your worth. Like, even if like you think about like what you get paid at your job, like, is that, can I be making more for what I'm doing? How much value do you provide to that company or do you own your own business or whatever it is? Like, um, oftentimes you're probably getting underpaid. You could probably get, be getting paid a little bit more and not that it's all about the money, but um, you only have so much time. And if you can make a little more and uh, so you can spend a little more time with your friends and family or loved ones, whoever that is, I think that's a good thing. And um it doesn't hurt to ask for a raise. The worst they could say is no. I tell people when people come to me, I'm like, just go ask for a raise. A lot of times they get it, and they probably could have gotten it a year ago. Sooner, if they yeah. asked a year ago, yeah, they could have. Or more if they would ask for more. And yeah. uh, if if they do say no, then also take the approach. The best time to look for a job is when you already have one, and you can go look around. And if you get one that says, "Hey, we'll uh, take you, but we'll pay you, you know, two bucks an hour more," then you can go back to your job and say, "Hey, they're going to pay me." you know, three bucks an hour more. So either you pay me, you know, three bucks an hour more to stay here, or I'm going to go with them. And uh, oftentimes, if they think you're worth it, they'll pay you more. And then you can just stay in that same job. But just by going and, you know, you know, talking shop a little bit around town, you can uh, show yourself that you're, you have that value. I mean, prove it to yourself. And if you don't, there are skills that you can go learn online. Fucking this, this show is an example. YouTube is an ability for you you can go on uh Zenthanol's youtube channel and learn everything you need to know about ipm for cannabis for the most part i mean like you could look up all the common pests if you have one of them while you're growing you'll be able to go to his pest primer figure out what it is figure out how to treat it and then you can go find a range of things to treat it within your local area and then once you beat that that's a notch in your belt you've got that experience now moving forward you know how to beat that pest and once you get that first harvest now you're a quote like real grower you know you're there you've got it you've done it you've made it for yourself you can smoke it you can turn it into your hash or oil whatever suits your needs but uh yeah i think that uh, people underestimate their ability to continue learning you don't have to be in school to learn you can be self-educated through youtube or other means it's like there's a lot of garbage on the internet admittedly but if you find a decent source that's uh having some success and you can replicate that or follow it and take those skills on into your regular life whether it's for cannabis or other things i know a lot of people are in the professional cannabis space now whether they're breeders growers uh even in like advertising <laughs> trimmers my wife works at a delivery service i mean there's a, a lot of space for people to work in the cannabis field but even if you don't um i think it's a good time to like spartan was saying it's a new year try and uh reevaluate things and, and put a breast before it kick the year in the balls i think he said when he said that, it made me think of, uh, I think, Family Guy. They had, like, this dude, like, orange afro, and he's like, you just got kicked in the nuts, but you're on TV. And they'd, like, pan over to the camera, and the person would be like, ah. Oh. And I think that was based off of a real thing. Yeah, I can't remember if that is actually true, but I thought I used to be able to find videos of somebody actually doing that, but maybe they got pulled off the internet because it's technically assault, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was staged. Prank things, though, tend to not age well. <laughs> That's what I've noticed with the internet. With that said, 
we have five minutes left. There's only four of us, but uh, I think we can go around and give our final thoughts and shout out. This has been a little bit of a all around one. We didn't really have a topic. I didn't take any questions. I said that I was going to. I'm sorry, everybody out there. I am just thankful to be back with this crew of amazing people and to talk a little shop and smoke and talk grow and everything else, life, culture, et cetera. But with that said, I'm going to kick it over first to Brandon Rust and uh, get his final thoughts and shout outs. Where can, where can the people find you? Yep. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at rust.brandon and also Bokashi Earthworks, bokashiearthworks.com for all your fertilizers, microbes, amendments. And uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of uh, additional education and a lot more content this year. We're going to be, um, you know, putting some cool stuff together. So we'll keep everybody posted. Looking forward to that. And next up, we have Matthew Gates. Just like Brandon saying, um, I have a lot of really big plans for 2023 and onward, particularly in the realm of education and making a lot of information um, free and also sort of high value for people like clients and things like that. Uh, biosecurity is very important. I think we had a lot of really cool topics today about plant health, about genetics, about breeding, and sort of a fusion between uh, technical mastery and sort of theoretical mastery that is often a theme in the way I look at cannabis cultivation in general. So I really I really liked investigating that with everyone. You can find me for professional inquiries at zenthanol.com for pest issues, for SOP writing, for preventative and curative measures, um, also well as training for that matter. You can also check me out on social media where I will be posting a lot more on Instagram at SyncAngel and on YouTube, Zenthanol. Also, you can also find me on Twitter at SyncAngel as well. And... Oh, and you'll also be getting a lot more posts and additional benefits this year um, upcoming for my Patreon. For $1 a month, you can check out my Discord channel. And also, we're probably going to have uh, more regular live streams on my social media too. So you can ans- ask questions there and I'll post it on YouTube. So collectively, we can all benefit from really good questions that my followers often have. So I look forward to our mutual success. Looking very much forward to that. And I will say last and certainly not least of the panelists this evening, the American one. Jack, Matthew, good to see you both. And everyone uh, that was on panel and shout out to everyone who wasn't here. Uh, Noah the Grower, Aaron and Dr. MJ and Pure Breeding. Yeah, yeah. I hope they're all having a good uh, New Year's first day and happy New Year to everyone in chat. I'm the American one, the uh, American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. Um, yeah, you could hit me up on the IG DMs. I get back to you eventually. And, um, yeah, let's make 2023 the best year ever. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. Peace, everyone. Make sure to check out that Violet Beauregard in the future. That's, uh, I see Smart Poker growing that over there. And if you want to check out some Amy Aces, you go to amyaces.com and that'll forward you over to Daggett Garden. And, uh, that's where you can check out some Amy Aces seeds if they're still in stock. Got to get them while they're hot. You never know. People are loving that Amy. So internationally famous lady over there uh, and potentially gentlemen, if you're trying to find yourself a male, because Amy yes, is regular. Right. And you can hit me up on the IGs too, if you uh, are looking for any seed, no worries. It's all good. It's funny. Uh, we were talking earlier about like the uh, people going direct and like Spartan sending cash in the mail. I had one person of like a couple hundred, uh, 50 str- strains of green 
one person's like, I don't do banks. I don't do any of it. Can I send you cash? Like, I'm like, you don't have Venmo. You don't have cash. I have like nothing. Like I offered like 10 different options for them to pay. And they're like, cash, cash only. I'm like, all right, send it to That's the That's a smart cash. person, I bet. I bet you he's really smart. I got a lot of respect for this individual. I have a lot of respect for them. And I have a lot of respect for everybody who listens to this show. I really appreciate all of you, genuinely. Um, I've had extremely positive connections with everybody who I've DM'd back and forth with. Even the people that I feel like think that they're annoying me because they DM me a lot. And we go back and forth with like really long conversations and ask me tons and tons of questions. I love that. It, I feel like it makes me a better grower. Feels like it makes me a better person generally. Um, what More well-rounded trying to answer things and it broadens my knowledge. And it helps me realize what people are curious about. Helps me realize how to fix and uh, address people's problems in a way that they can learn and grow. So I genuinely love and appreciate all the feedback. I, I watch every show at least once over and I go through all the comments and afterwards and I try to, I value all of your feedback and um, positive, negative, critical. And uh, it really, I try to take it in and, and keep the show going in a positive direction. And if we're not going in the right path, then I try to course correct. But I think for the most part, most people are pretty happy with uh, the show that we're putting on and I'm happy showing up doing it every week that I can and uh, hope to keep doing it for years to come. Yeah, I know on New Year's is always a good time to evaluate like how are things going, but I think things are going pretty good here generally. I think we've got a pretty solid formula. I think we'll uh, look forward to doing some science episodes in the future because we've done just like a general hang and sesh. We did a Q&A last week or the week before because we were off for the holiday. But uh, yeah, we've got a few different options for our shows and uh, the people will keep, keep on coming back and we keep on getting new people. So something must be going right there and uh, not to toot our own horn, but does uh, feel good to confirm that the time that we're putting in is is justified and there are actual people out there that we're helping because you're DMing me and I'm seeing your gardens. So I'm following you on Instagram and all the other social media. So it's been an amazing journey. I'm thankful. Uh, Thanksgiving isn't the only time of the year that we can be thankful and New Year's isn't the only time we should be inspired. So with that said, I'm at Jack Greenstock. If you do want a copy of that book, 50 Strains of Green, I still have some available on paperback. I'll sign it. I'll pack it up and ship it out to you internationally or in the US. Uh, you can get it at 50strains.com. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Jack Greenstock. My backup account is Jack underscore Greenstock, which is also my name on Twitter. If you want to email me, if you're not on social media, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. And I'm also on the, oh, you know what? I'm no longer on Cannabis. They're charging a subscription fee and I didn't use it enough. So sorry, y'all. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. If you're going to start charging me uh, and there's not a free option, got to at least give me the free option. Uh, even if I don't show up in your algorithm or whatever, just let me hang. Let me linger. Let me creep. So sorry for all those cannabis folks out there that I'll no longer be able to interact with. But uh, if you see a Jack Greenstock on there, you know it's not me because I'm no longer on there. But with that said, I've dragged it on. Uh, rambling. Had a great week. It's It's been so good being back with you all. I don't want to end it. But with that said, Jack Greenstock signing out. Peace and love. And for Dr. MJ, grow his love, everybody. Grow love. Peace out, y'all. Catch you next week and keep growing.